0: Well, it is really lovely to be with you again this morning. I've been really enjoying, I don't know about you, but going through Acts over the last term. We start in September. And I love Acts because it is such an encouragement for our faith. I love hearing the stories of the early church and the way in which the Holy Spirit was so powerfully at work amongst the believers. In September, I had the privilege of sharing with you my family's pile of stones story, and we talked about the fact that it is really important to encourage one another with the stories of what God has done. And as Ben and Dan mentioned earlier, we set up a church padlet or pile of stone stories to show what God has been doing amongst us. And that really is so important to remember and to retell those stories. And I feel like today's passage really is like a snapshot of the early church's padlet Uh, A story, a a place to share the good things that God has been doing amongst them. But you know, it, it feels like more than that for me. It feels like an example of the way in which Peter lived. And Peter was someone who lived in the power of God. And that is what I want us to talk about this morning. And in preparing this, the verse that repeatedly came to my mind was in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 19 and 20. It says this, this is Paul praying, I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Now when the Bible talks about understanding, it isn't just talking about knowing something in a logical or an academic way. It's talking about knowing something that then has an outworking in the way that we live, an impact in the way that we live. Paul is reminding us that we have the same power in us that raised Christ from the dead. And that we should be doing life in a way that has the incredible power of God at work in us. And then again in Ephesians 3 verse 20 later on in the book, Paul again writes about God's mighty power at work within us that is able to accomplish more than we could ever ask or imagine. It sounds inspiring, doesn't it? It's incredible to read this and think, yeah, I have got that power in me. But honestly, I I forget sometimes, and I I think if we're truly honest with ourselves, it feels a little bit like it has been watered down in the way that we live for some of us and this morning I come at this with a really humble challenge of how who do we know that lives in a way like they believe these verses because to be completely honest with you I don't and I want to I want to live in a way that the power of God is so incredibly at work through my life that miracles happen around me because of the power of God, but I don't. But it is possible. It's the kind of power that meets a paralyzed man and says he can walk. It's the kind of power that raises a faithful woman of God back to life. And these events that took place in the early church are still possible today. And I met people who lived in that way when I was in Mozambique 12 years ago. Heidi Baker is someone who lives as if she believes that she carries the incredible greatness of the power of God. I remember visiting a particular village in the outback and we'd shared the gospel with these people. They'd never heard it before. And a number of the team, we were praying for some villages who had more minor ailments like deafness and blindness. And we saw healing, which was incredible. But there was this one five-year-old girl sat by a hut, and she'd never been able to walk her legs were completely twisted inwards from the knee down, and she had no strength in them. They were very, very thin, very, very weak. And I think as the team, we kind of just didn't look at her, because for me, I didn't have the faith to go and heal her, to go and pray for her to be healed. I didn't have that kind of faith. And so... I'd seen other people who were deaf or blind have their ears and eyes opened. I had faith for that, but I didn't have faith to pray for this girl, and so we left her. But then Heidi arrived, and she went straight over to the girl, and nothing was a barrier to her, because she knew that the power in her was greater than anything else in this world. And within 10 minutes, that girl was taking her first steps because God turned her knees outwards. And God, not, not so much restored, but God built all the muscles that were needed. And we watched her absolutely stunned as this took place. And do you know, many in that village also watched, amazed, and they turned to Jesus And then they said that there was a lake down the hill, and could they please get baptised? So we went and baptised them. It's exactly the same as in Acts 9. The healings brought about the whole villages turning to God. That is the power of the Holy Spirit when he is powerfully at work. But honestly, I don't know how to get from where I am to living in a way that day by day shows the incredible greatness of God's power at work in me. How do I get from A to B? I know that I need to be continually refilled by the Holy Spirit. But I find it really helpful to look at an example. And that's what we're going to do today because I find Peter so relatable. Peter, who not long before this, denied that he even knew Jesus and went back to fishing because he was disillusioned. And now a man who speaks a word in the name of Jesus and sees healing. So today we are going to look at how did Peter get from A to B? How did Peter become a man who lived with the power of God at work in him? So let's begin by looking at Peter's journey through Acts. Now we've touched on many of these stories over this sermon series, and it's good to be reminded of those. So let's begin on the day of Pentecost. The disciples were in the upper room, and they are filled with the Holy Spirit. Now as an aside, I find it interesting... That the disciples are filled with the Spirit in the upper room. And Tabitha is healed in the upper room. We need an upper room. A place to encounter God and receive healing. And a challenge for you today is, where is your upper room? Currently, mine is an armchair in Costa. <laughs> I go there at least once a week, and I find it an amazing place to meet with God, and he speaks really powerfully to me in the middle of Costa Coffee. For my husband, it's his armchair in the lounge. Maybe it's your car, maybe it's when you're out for a run. It doesn't have to be a whole room, but we all need a space where we intentionally encounter God. So the disciples are filled with the Holy Spirit, They go out and Peter preaches his first sermon and the church begins to grow. Shortly after, Peter and John are on their way to the temple when they heal a lame man in the name of Jesus. The religious council doesn't really like this. And so Peter and John are imprisoned and then warned by the council not to speak in Jesus' name. And then they let them go. But what do Peter and John do? I love this bit because I think it's key. You see, they they immediately return to the believers and report what happened. And then they unite in prayer. But they don't ask for protection or for the opposition to stop. In Acts 4, verse 29 to 31, they pray this. And now, O Lord, hear their threats and give us, your servants, great boldness in preaching your word. Stretch out your hand with healing power. May miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After this prayer meeting, the place shook and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Then they preached the word of God with boldness. They ask for boldness and for signs and wonders. What they're saying is, we don't care about the cost as long as it means the power of God is revealed and Jesus is glorified. The disciples are recognizing that to be empowered with the Holy Spirit costs us something and I think honestly for me that is my sticking point because if I want the Holy Spirit to dramatically shape my life then I have to choose to lay down the parts of my life that are just about me and that feels hard it's a bold prayer Can I honestly pray it? But that's where I want to be. Lord, help me get there. Help me daily climb back up on the altar and choose to give it all for you. And what happens next for the disciples is exciting. We see the greatness of the power of God amongst them. The whole place shakes from the glory of God, and they're filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, it's really important that we note they've already been baptized by the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2. Here, they are being refilled. We need to continually be refilled with the Holy Spirit if we are to live in the realization of his power within us. We need to keep asking. A few years ago, I was at New Wine, and I went to a seminar, which is quite rare for me, but I went to a seminar on the Holy Spirit by Ellie Mumford. And she said something that has stuck with me through the, age, through the years since then. Not through the ages, I'm not that old. Uh, through the years. And she said this, she was talking about prayer and the way in which, often with prayer, it, it doesn't get answered in the way and at the time that we want But, she said, there is one prayer that you can trust God will always answer immediately. And it is this Come, Holy Spirit. Because he so wants to be invited. And the Bible tells us that when we invite him to come, he will. And it might not be a sensation that we feel. The, the, the room might not shake. There might not be tongues of fire landing on our head in the middle of Costa Coffee. But, which might be a good thing. <laughs> no, probably not. Uh, but, be different. The power of God, when we invite him to come, always, always will. And so at the end of today, we are going to invite the Holy Spirit to come. Because we need to be filled afresh by him. And so what happens next for Peter? It's it's incredible. I can't even dream of this in today's society. But it would be incredible. I'd like it to be please, Jesus. Uh, In Acts 5, we read that sick people were brought out into the streets on beds and mats. And Peter's shadow might fall across them and they were all healed. That's crazy. Peter's shadow, the power of God is so at work in him that his shadow brings healing. And then in Acts chapter 9, our story today, Peter visits Lydda and Joppa and a paralyzed Aeneas is healed and Dorcas or Tabitha is raised back to life. That's incredible. Peter lives in a way that he knows Ephesians 1 verse 19 and 20 is true that we will understand or live with the incredible greatness of God's power at work in us. We're called to live like that, and God says it's just as possible today as it was then. Nothing has changed apart from me not being willing or forgetting or whatever other reason we have. Nothing has changed. It is still possible. So what changed for Peter from that man who had a complete wobble and denied Jesus and went back to fishing to the Peter that we see in Acts 9? Well, I think there are two things. We've talked firstly about the fact that he was powerfully and repeatedly refilled with the Holy Spirit. But there's one other thing, and it's where we need to start Because before the Holy Spirit filled him, he encountered the resurrected Jesus. Three times the night before Jesus died, Peter swore that he didn't know him, that he'd never met the man. He must have left that moment full of shame, anger... He was devastated. He'd he'd betrayed his Lord. He felt like a coward. he put himself above Jesus. And even after he had seen the risen Lord the first time, he still went back to fishing. I guess he felt like God wouldn't want to use him anymore after the mistake he'd made. He was disillusioned. And I imagine felt like a whole lot of a failure. Anyone else ever been there? <laughs> but then in John 21, he has a powerful encounter with Jesus on the, sea, on the shore of the Sea of Galilee. My Bible gives the subheading for this as Jesus reinstates Peter. And three times Jesus asks Peter if he loves him. And three times Peter says to his Lord, you know I love you. And Jesus commissions Peter. When I, understood, when I was younger, I understood this story as Peter cancelling out every time that he'd denied Jesus by declaring he loved him but this is a beautiful moment of forgiveness and restoration jesus lifts peter out of his shame and brokenness and commissions him to lead the church we need that too rather than carrying on without shame and our failings around our necks, we have the chance to meet with the resurrected Jesus who takes away that shame and those failings, and he sends us out, restored to be filled by the Holy Spirit. How do we do that? The Bible says that Jesus stands at the door and knocks We only have to open that door and he is waiting for us. So tell him that you want to let him in. We say sorry where we have made mistakes and we ask him to take away our shame and to fill us up with his love. Jesus would love to meet with you today. Now there's one final aspect of our story in Acts 9 that I feel it is important to pick up on. It's something that Jesus does and it's something that Peter does here when he enters Tabitha's upper room. He gets the unbelief out of the room. If we are going to be people living with the incredible greatness of the power of God, we need to get rid of the things that cause us to doubt. When Peter arrives in the upper room, he is greeted by weeping widows who show him the works that Tabitha did rather than focusing on the power of God that was at work in her. And he asks them to leave. And in Mark 5, when Jesus is taken by Jairus to his home and Jesus says his daughter's only sleeping, she's not dead, the crowd laughs at him and he makes them leave before he raises Jairus' daughter back to life. Of course we have wobbles. Of course our humanness makes us doubt sometimes. But as another father says to Jesus, I do believe But help me overcome my unbelief. If we want to have the incredible power of God at work in our lives, there may be some unbelief in our room that we need to tell to leave. And the power of God says you have that power. You have that authority over the doubt. So I want to be someone who lives with that incredible greatness of the power of God at work in me. I want the events of Acts 9 to be part of our church. And our Padlet says they do happen. There are stories of healings and of breakthrough going on amongst us in our church. And that is incredible. We need to get those out. We need to share them as we are doing. But I'm not there yet. I'm not there where I see God every single day breaking through. And I think in many ways it is a daily choice, a choice moment by moment. On Friday, a friend texted me with an inner crisis. And she said to me, sorry, God said to me, Do you believe that you've got the power of God that raised Christ from the dead in you or not? And it felt like a really vulnerable, bold prayer to pray in this moment, in this crisis that was not looking good, that God would break in. And so I said to my friend, Look, I, I believe that I've, she's a Christian. I said, her, I believe I've got, we've, we carry the power of God in us, and I'm going to pray that this is all fine. And she went to the doctors yesterday, and she texted me and said, It's all good. It's all good. We carry the power of God in us. And it is about day by day, minute by minute decisions of, do I believe it? Do I believe it in this moment? And sometimes we get it right and sometimes we don't. And we come to God and we say, help. Help my unbelief. So we're we're going to respond to what God is saying to us today if you would like to see the power of God at work in your life that's so exciting and it doesn't matter where you are on that journey some of us may feel like Peter did that things you have done have disqualified you from being used by God friends that is a lie that the enemy would love you to believe it's not true The resurrected Jesus wants to meet you today. He would love to take away your baggage and restore you as his son or daughter. I invite you to find freedom this morning. Or perhaps you need to gather with others and pray for boldness, that you wouldn't shy away under pressure and that you would have the same boldness as the disciples to speak the word of God. Both the disciples and Tabitha encountered the Holy Spirit in their upper room. Where's yours? Maybe you need to ask God to show you where it is or how to create one, how to create a space where you meet with God. Or perhaps you're really hungry for more. And in a minute, we're going to invite the Holy Spirit to come. We're asking him to come and fill us afresh so that we can go out and live our lives in his power, not our own. Or perhaps you're at the point that you want to go, but honestly, there's unbelief in your room. Perhaps your prayer this morning is, I do believe, but help me overcome my belief, my unbelief. This morning, You are allowed to tell it to go away. Let's invite the band back, please. We're going to invite the Holy Spirit to come. And I would invite you to posture yourself in a way that welcomes him. Sometimes we don't sense him doing anything at all. And sometimes we see a physical manifestation of him at work. Both of those are valid, and both of those are great. The prayer team is also going to be available. They would love to pray for you, for anything that you feel God has put on your heart this morning, that you would love someone to stand with you and pray with, pray about. But we do ask that if you come, you wear a face mask just to protect other people and yourself, and we do have some if you do not have one on you. But let's stand if we're able. And let's ask God to come and do what only he can do, to come and fill us afresh with the Holy Spirit. And I don't know what this is gonna look like. If you wanna come for prayer, then come for prayer. If you want to stand there with your arms outstretched, inviting him to fill you once again, then do that. You do whatever is right for you, between you and God in this time. So Holy Spirit, we invite you, would you come?